This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the Auto Repair Marketing Podcast. I'm very excited about my guest today, but before we jump into that, let me first thank our friends at RepairPal for providing you with this episode. RepairPal is the key that unlocks more business for your repair shop. You can learn more at repairpal.com forward slash shops. I was doing my normal thing, browsing Instagram. This was before COVID when I came across this shop that I was not following. You know how Instagram and Facebook will intentionally put stuff in front of you because they know you're interested. And I saw this shop in Nebraska. What I was seeing, I'm like, wow, these guys are doing a great job. And so I just started doing some walker stalking and kept digging in and and looking and sliding up in the DMs. And I was messaging your shop and saying, you guys are doing a great job. So I went back earlier and looked. It was back in, in 2020. So it's been a while, but we've never met in person, though I feel like we're good friends. You know what, Kim? Yeah, it's been, I think, 2020 vision that we missed each other, right? Yeah, that is exactly right. So everybody, this is Kendall Warnock, and he is the owner with his beautiful wife, Des, at A1 Automotive in Lincoln, Nebraska. And yeah, we were at Vision. This is like the vision, everybody, the one that at Vision, the word COVID was the first time that we had heard it. And I remember it was, I want to say it was the mechanic advisor, like post party kind of thing after the end of the day and people were hanging out in the bar area and we were talking and I was walking in with Haley, our director of advertising, and I saw the A1 brand and I was like a fangirl and I'm like, I know y'all. And I started talking to some of your team and I was like, where's the owner? We message on Instagram and they were like, there he is. And they pointed at the back of you going down the escalator. And I was like, no, I wanted to say hi. And so... We've missed each other at a variety of conferences since then. So yeah, y'all are just doing a really amazing job. So the brand on social media is what caught my eye and then the hoodies. And then as we've talked, never like on the phone or just messaging through social media, but you told me something recently. I forget what it was that prompted the conversation but that you grew up on a reservation. So I'm really dying to just know what I don't know, which is obviously a lot. But tell me, tell us, tell our fellow shop owners that are listening, people in the industry, like take us back. Because I also saw some, you really do a brilliant job of unfolding the story and being very real and authentic on social media. Like you've told a lot of your story. So kind of take us back. Kim, from my perspective, being completely transparent about, you know, whatever it is, success, hardships, failures is a part of who I am. And I think the older that we get, the easier that is because you're not afraid of any kind of, you know, criticism or people, you know, maybe looking down upon you or criticizing you. So again, I appreciate the opportunity to join you all today. Again, my name is Kendall Warnock. Uh, I'm in Lincoln, Nebraska, A1 Automotive in downtown Lincoln. As Kim indicated, I did grow up on an Indian reservation called the Omaha. Indian Reservation in Northeast Nebraska in a village of 90, 90 people. So 
But when I was growing up on the reservation, I didn't really think about the hardships and the, and the challenges that we had. It was just, you know, my mother and father were blue collar people, um, worked multiple jobs. My father worked at a filling station on Highway 77 outside of uh, Rosalie, Nebraska. I never thought of it as it being somewhat of a handicap for me in terms of any type of success that I would have in life. But I'm not afraid or ashamed to say this. We were really poor growing up. We were on government assistance. We were on food stamps, commodities. I remember the brick cheese commodity that was literally a brick size, but to this day is probably the best cheese I've ever had. And I haven't had a lot of cheese. I love that cheese. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Yes, I do. And the butter. Even the cornflakes weren't bad, but my mother tried to fool me with powdered milk. That's where the bus stopped for me. I could not do that. I knew immediately when she did that. But, uh, you know, again, that was part of the growth and part of growing up. And it's part of the story that we all have one. But uh, this is part of my story. So I was able to move down to Lincoln because I just, my mother continuously told me just, you just need to get off the reservation outside and ultimately just make something for yourself and for your future family. That's, I think every mother and father say that to their children because they want what's best. We want what's best for our kids. You want what's best for your son, et cetera, et cetera. So fast forward, getting down to Lincoln. And now keep in mind, I come from a village of 90. I didn't understand how a city worked because we had no stoplight. We had very few stop signs. We didn't even have street names, I don't think, for a number of years. So I get down to Lincoln, Nebraska, a town of 300,000 people here. Wow. Like it was just so, so much. I was 21 when I got down. So I went to tech school. Then I moved to Lincoln. I'm thinking to myself, how in the world am I going to survive down here? Multiple years of questioning that, what am I going to do? Do I move back home? Should I move back home? And everybody that's going to, that understands when you move back to those small communities and, and whether it's a reservation or not, there's so few opportunities. And um, I still have a lot of great friends back there. You know, two of my sisters are still alive back there. I have a number of friends. So a lot of respect for people back there, but there just wasn't a lot of opportunities and it still isn't. You know, my mother kept telling me, don't move back here, don't move back here, don't move back here. So she kept instilling that in me. And she was ultimately, she was always my number one fan as I was growing up as a child. So I fast forward to 2002. I was literally at the breaking point, Kim, of what am I truly doing? Can I make it? And it was September 27th, 2002. I was setting in Brian's birthday. Is it really? Well, in 2002, Brian, I was setting in a parking lot on 27th Corn Husker, Lincoln, Nebraska at a Shopco. It was then a Shopco with a book that used to be a book of food stamps, coupons, whether they're 10, 5, 20s. I sat there in a 1983 Ford Escort. It was a two-door blue that I was really good at keeping running really well because I needed to. If anybody kind of chuckles about a Ford Escort, they'll know what we were up against at that point in time. But I sat there that night and I had used food stamps probably for two years prior to that. And every time I went into a store, I just did not like the way that made me feel in terms of using them because I was getting going through checkouts. I would see people looking at me and I'm thinking to myself, I don't really like that. I didn't really care how that made me feel. And I just thought to myself, can't do this. Like I cannot do this anymore. That night, I sat in that car until 11, 11 p.m. And I thought, and the reason I sat there that long from literally eight, because I didn't want anybody to see me using those food stamps. I wanted the traffic inside the grocery store to die out. As I was sitting there, 
I tore out the food coupons that I was going to use and I left a $10 coupon in there and in the booklet. And I just wrote that date on there. And I told myself that night that I would not use that food coupon and I would not ever use food stamps again. It was a turning point. Yeah, it was a turning point for me. I worked multiple jobs and I was grateful enough to be able to take that. It was really the turning point for me to either move back to the reservation or stick and try to make a living and make a life. I'm just super grateful that that worked out. So what was life like for you? Were you, you said you went to tech school. So were you working at a shop or at a dealership or what were you doing? Multiple shops that I worked at in that stretch here in Lincoln. Um, and it was a GM dealership for a while. It was a couple of independents. The independent space is where I really started to make some traction. Now, keep in mind, when I was growing up on the reservation back home, that's my father had a filling, filling station job, but we were in a dirt floor shop every night working on something. And he was teaching me a lot of things that I didn't know he was teaching me. You know, when you're young and you don't understand some of the things that your parents are trying to instill in you. He taught me a lot about life, a lot about caring about others, a lot about being transparent, a lot about caring in general, and a lot about vehicles. So it was a turning point for me that night in Lincoln, Nebraska, but I'm grateful that I'm still here for sure. So you said your sisters still live there on the reservation. Are your parents still there? My parents both died in 09. An older sister that passed away two years ago. So I just have two sisters back there. My brother actually lives in Knoxville, Tennessee. And, uh, you know, we're super close. And yeah, my two sisters that are uh, back home are super close too. So once you leave the reservation, is there any sort of stigma? Can you go back? Can you still go back and visit your sisters? Or is it like, I'm making stuff up in my head, but is it like once you leave, you're really not welcome back? Or what does that look like? That's not the case, at least for me. And it's just a matter of when you're trying to create opportunities for yourself in life and better position yourself to be successful and, and ultimately provide for your family. That's ultimately what I think all of our goals are or should be. That's not the case. When I go back, I go back to visit the cemetery. I go back to visit you know, my sister's. I don't make a whole lot of other stops. I've got some family that runs a bar there in Rosalie. I just, I've just eliminated all of that stuff. So I've been told all my life that I am probably about 25% Native American and have wanted to do the Ancestry.com or 23andMe or whatever, just to see what that number is. And I haven't done it yet because truthfully, just the whole conspiracy theory about given your stuff, whatever, you know, it's probably silly, but I just haven't done it yet. But my son has done it. And he said that less than 1% of him is Native American. So now I'm questioning everything. I'm like, how's that? But my great grandmother, so my grandmother's mother was born, raised, lived her entire life on an Apache reservation. So apparently I've got a mean streak in me somewhere. So, so I'm curious now, September 28th, 2002, you wake up and there had been a turning point for you the night before sitting in that car. And I've seen the pictures on your social media of the food stamps. I think it's in your toolbox. Maybe you open it up and you see that. You see the picture of your parents or your dad, maybe. So like what happens on September 28th? Like when you make that decision, because there's somebody listening right now who very likely may be sitting in their car with that card, the food stamp card, and are like, whoa, hold on, let me listen to this. Like, what happens? Well, I'll tell you what, that food stamp is on my screensaver today, and it always is with my father. It's a reminder of just how tough things were back then. But again, I, 
wake up and I'm thinking to myself, what do I need to do to stabilize staying in Lincoln? So at that point in time, there was paycheck advances. They were charging 20%, 22%, whatever they were. But that's what I started to go to. So I, I started to use paycheck advances to advance funds so I didn't have to use stamps. So, and I did that for probably six months straight. And it was super tough. And I would take on side jobs, whether they were engine swaps, anything that I could do. I was really good at in the automotive space I was able to do. And ultimately, I did dig out of the need for using food stamps. So what year did you open your shop? The opened year was at 08 is when I started it. Anybody that knows 08, 09, that was just a really fantastic year. Yeah, that's when we closed. I really didn't know what we were up against at that point in time. I guess, thankfully, I didn't know. But it was a journey of epic proportions in terms of, okay, I knew how to treat people really well. And I also knew how to work on a variety of vehicles. It didn't matter what it was. It was super, just a gift for my father and ultimately God for being able to work on vehicles at a very high level. What I didn't know, Kim, was the business side of it. And I was absolutely terrified of that side of it too. So really it was a hobby for me for the first six, seven, eight years. And it was a hobby of, of not making a ton of money. It was a hobby of is this something that I can be successful at? Or do I just need to go and work at a dealership or at an independent shop or just work for somebody? But it was six, seven years of very, very difficult times before I finally started to gain some traction. And you also moved to your current location. Is that right? Yeah. Which has some amazing history, it seems like. So what? when did that happen? When did you move there. Yeah, moved to downtown Lincoln to 1117 L Street. We were out on West O Street and that was more of a destination drive. If you didn't know who I was or I wasn't a friend of yours, you probably weren't going to come that far out. No. Downtown, a lot of people told me that this is not the right move. This is not the right move. And I think you know where I'm going with this. This is not the right move. But everything in my heart told me that that was the right move. And I didn't know how I was going to even pay the lease payment at the time. But I just, Des and I talked it over and I thought to myself, we're going to do it. And the people that told me, you know, this is not the right move for you. I don't have it in my life anymore. Moved to downtown Lincoln in 2015 and um, through, you know, securing and maintaining a great staff of Master Tech and a great manager in Kurt, service writer in Troy. We're just super, I say grateful a lot, like a lot, just a ton of gratitude. Time to thank our friends at RepairPal for making this episode possible. Don't get left behind. Today's tech-savvy consumers value instant gratification, so they start their searches for a repair shop on their computers and smartphones. These power users research auto repair and service options and decide which shops to engage with in an instant. Gain these customers by being RepairPal certified. They provide proof that your prices are fair with their best-in-class estimator. They're the largest site for auto repair, and they will introduce your shop to new customers through RepairPal.com and through the recommendation of partners like USAA, CarMax, and Consumer Reports. As shop owners, we were in the RepairPal Certified Network, and it helped grow our business. You have to be in it to win it, so head on over to RepairPal.com forward slash shops and set up a call to learn more. When you sign up, you'll get one month of service free and save $150 off certification. That's RepairPal.com forward slash shops. We moved as well, except it was just moving our life. After we had our shop and we closed our shop, we had a road construction project come in that really wiped us out. And then we also were just not good at business. 
And when we should have downsized, we were leading with our heart and not our heads. And sometimes you have to do that. But in that case, it was ultimately combined with the road construction project, the demise of the shop, because we should have downsized. And so we were paying our team and we're like, we'll pay those taxes next month or later. And it just kept getting later and later and later until, you know, the IRS comes in and says, hey, this belongs to us and we're going to take that today. And, you know, things like that. But when we closed the shop, Brian felt, this is very serious part of our story. Brian felt the Lord was calling us to move back home to Louisiana because we were in North Carolina. And I remember him telling me, hey, I feel like the Lord's calling us to Louisiana. I said, no, he is not. No, he is not. And then just kind of kept going. And then I don't know, like a couple of weeks later, this was after we closed the shop. We were in bankruptcy. We're doing everything we can, just paying bills, feeding ourselves and our son. And, and he said, hey, have you looked at jobs at Southeastern? So near us, there was a seminary. So my background is education. I was a teacher and a school counselor. And so there's a seminary there called Southeastern. And I'm like, the seminary? You want me to look for jobs at the seminary? He was like, no, Southeastern, which is my alma mater, Southeastern Louisiana University. So he's like, no, Southeastern in Hammond. And I'm like, okay, that's in Louisiana. He's like, yeah, I really feel like we're supposed to be moving back there. I'm like, no, you're not. When that's not the case. And so again, we moved on and and it was about a month later and he came home and he had been praying about it. He was absolutely certain. And he's like, I need you to sit down. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I could tell in his eyes, like Brian is stable, stable, stable. So I can just look at him and tell something's up. And he was emotional. His eyes were glassy and I'm like, oh my gosh. So I sit down. And he said, I'm absolutely confident the Lord's calling us back to Louisiana. And I think you're being close-minded. You really need to pray about it. You need to open your heart. You need to open your mind. And you need to be serious about it because I know that's what we're supposed to do. And he's not going to tell me and not tell you. Well, I start praying about it. And I'm telling you, it was like lightning within very quickly. My entire attitude completely changed. And I knew that he was exactly right. So like you, we had a number of people who were like, just questioning, right? And so here we are exactly where we're supposed to be, 100%. And you just have to, there's a lot of people who I think are like, oh, it's all going to work out. So everything's going to work out, but never put one step in front, one foot in front of the other and just act. And so kudos to you for acting and doing something different. Like you realized, you said, what am I going to do to make it work here? You had to do something different. And here you are, like just a pillar in your community. I've watched and seen where you are doing lots of training with your team and training for yourself. Leadership looks like I'm thinking you're probably getting coaching. Talk to me about the journey to becoming a businessman, like learning. Because similar for us, I remember us feeling like we were on an island, like, oh, we're the only shop struggling like this until we got involved in the industry and started learning. So what that look like for you? You're hitting a lot of the same notes that I went through as well. But I think with business owners that are maybe much further ahead of me right now, and some of the up and comers that we can help with this episode is, don't feel like you don't need to be coached. Even if you say that and you mean that and you feel like, okay, with just a ton of humility, I thought back 
when I started, I don't need coaching. And it wasn't because I was, I don't need coaching. It was, I just didn't think I needed it. But then as things started to unfold in downtown Lincoln, what I didn't know was the business side of it was the P&Ls, the balance sheets, yeah, the profit loss statements. And what is the heartbeat of your business? How does it look? Is it healthy? Are you sick? I didn't know any of that. I knew the customer service side I was really good at, the repair side I was and my team was really great at. But, you know, from my perspective, you need to get some type of coaching, you know, coaches that are out there. And there's a lot of really great companies and and places out there you can get coaching. And you and I both know a number of all of them. So it's just a matter of which one you fit in well with, which one you feel comfortable with and understand, okay, if I'm starting out, who's that person, who's that male or female in the industry that I want to try to emulate, that I want to try to chase down, that I want to try to catch. And along the way, trying to chase the best version of yourself along the way. That business model from my perspective, you just need to understand there's people out there that are willing to help and the coaching platforms are great, but you need to get that type of support because if you don't have the business side of it figured out, you're not going to last. It's just you, the deck is stacked against you if you don't get that coaching. It does seem like that's the common denominator in just about every story because so many shop owners were technicians first. You know, there are some who come from the corporate world or some other business world and they buy a shop and that sort of thing. But for the most of the ones we talk to that have like a really powerful transition or, you know, they came from this and they're very successful and doing really well are the ones who finally said, okay, let me learn from someone else. And I think a big part of that as well, and we've experienced this ourselves is first, look at all of the areas that we can grow in, right? So whether it's leadership or learning your numbers or learning how to be higher or how to retain or whether it's customer service or whatever it might be, there are coaches who can help you in all those areas. And I also believe, I hope I don't upset any of my coaching friends, but there's a season for every type of learning that needs to happen. And so there may be a coach who can bring you from where you are to this level, but then can't get you to the next level. So it may be time to learn from someone else. And like you talked about gratitude, be grateful, maintain that relationship. But when it's time to push through that ceiling and learn a new skill or whatever it might be, you, you may need to get outside your box and find someone else. And that's okay, right? That is okay that you look at and you, you just understand that this is as far as I can go here with this coaching group or with this, you know, in this space. And then you need to look at, am I okay to navigate this on my own? Am I strong enough? Do I have the tools and the tool on my toolbox, the mental, all the tools that we need to be able to sustain a business? Or do I need to go and look at maybe a different coaching group that maybe that one person in that coaching group has the ability to get a little bit more out of me? So, and I think all of them would agree. First things first, right? Stephen Covey, seven habits. First things first, like let's going to make the biggest impact. What's going to move the needle the most? Let's do that and then move on. One thing I see some people doing is trying to do all the things at one time. And that's not setting yourself up for success in any way. So I've also watched one thing that a lot of shop owners are not doing that you are doing is paying attention to, and I'm I'm not saying that shop owners aren't doing this and it's like a bad 
we want them to do that. But paying attention to the family and your own physical health. Because I know that you are, we've talked about first form. I saw you there. We talked, yes, you know, you post about working out and maintaining health and fitness. And at some point, you know, when that, that could be one of the things we may think, oh, I got to do that first. But you obviously took care of getting the business skills right. And you're able to really focus on yourself because it's like they say on the, on the airplane, right? If things go bad, put your oxygen on first and then your kids' oxygen. But if you're not taking care of yourself, what's going to happen if your health falls apart and you've got a whole team relying on you? So what do you have to say about that? Well, I tell you, you know, I'm a big fan of taking care of myself and making sure mentally that I'm sharp physically, spiritually, all of that stuff. I'm just a huge fan of that. My alarm goes off in the morning at 3.42 a.m. and I'm off to the races to take care of myself first. So I'm able to take care of A, Lola, Crew, and Capri, and Des, and the team too. So that if the team sees me modeling that type of, of lifestyle, you know, they're going to gravitate towards that too. And I've changed, you know, there's a lot of you know, the texts that that are down there now and they understand how important it is to take care of yourself, not for the business, but for their family. Like ultimately we owe it to our kids, you know, our spouses, the teams that we work for in terms of the employees, we owe it to all of them to be the best versions of ourselves. And if we can be the best versions of ourselves, we're going to help them pull out the best versions of themselves. I'm a huge fan of that. First form, you know, it's a great company. Andy runs a, a really great company and, and his culture down there is great. So just a huge fan of all of it. All right. You said something that I'm like, okay, that's interesting. I had a pastor that used to schedule whatever event it was, like college ministry or something every Tuesday night, I think it was. And he said it was at 747. And he was like, people remember that number. Cause I was like, why 747? Well, you just said 342. Is that real? It is real. It is real. And that's the time that my father passed. I should have known that you had some. That is the reason for the 342. Yeah, it's just something that I have on my phone. I don't deviate from it. I just pay in respects to him at the same time. I love it. You caught me off guard with that, definitely. But that's very powerful. And it's very clear that your mom and dad both played a massive impact in your life. And I see how you and Des, I mean, I've never even met or talked to her, but I obviously feel like I've experienced experienced her through your story that you tell online, but you guys are obviously doing that for your kids as well. Well, let's shift gears and talk about some fun, kind of go away from the super serious. And I love your company culture, which very clearly starts with my favorite thing that I honestly just discovered this morning through your social media because I was digging around. And uh, it's very important to us, but our core values. So talk to me about your core values and then let's unpack a little bit of how that impacts your marketing and how you work with your team and your customers. Yeah, I'll tell you what, like our core values are super important to us because last, like two years ago, and that core values are right inside the front door. They smack everybody in the face and they come in and everybody loves them. We developed those as a team two years ago. We whittled them down from probably a hundred at one of our quarterly meetings. And we just said, okay, here's some of the things that we want to live by. And you know, I'm going to run down them for you. Integrity, pride, passion, giving back, which we can certainly talk about that a little bit if we have time and having a ton of humility 
and Kanye, which is consistent and never-ending improvement. That's our core values. But we absolutely, I try to hire by them. I don't try to hire by them. We live by them. I have, you know, integrity. I have on the back of our wall that we walk out with all the techs walk out and get vehicles in the parking lot to bring in. You know, that's another message for all of us that when we're walking out to get a vehicle, we're walking out to give them answers that align with our core values and being, you know, having a ton of integrity and not saying, okay, Kim, your 16 Audi needs $7,000 worth of work, but it only needs 3000 You know what I mean? It just so we're super, 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 I'm super serious about that. And the team is, and they do a great job of just holding that line and, and understanding our core values are, you know, that we live and breathe them daily. Our process was very similar. We, as a team, probably had a hundred words up on a dry erase board and then we're an EOS company. So we did the keep, kill, combine process. We got it narrowed down, put them into categories and ours are synergy, happiness, integrity, expansion, leadership, and dedication. And then Brian went and put the first letter of each of those words in some tool online and was like, what are the acronyms that come up with? And there was only one word that could be made with those letters and it was SHIELD. It's perfect. So it aligns with our faith and and all that. And so same thing, we hire, fire, recognize and reward by them. They are not just a document in a Google Drive or filing cabinet or something like that. So I've seen that play out in the way that you communicate on social media, the way you drive yourself, your family, your team. And um, and so I love it. You guys do a lot, or it seems, you share a lot about billboards, which lots of people are like, oh, we're not doing billboards. That you know, I want you to tell me about that. Is it just brand awareness? Are you tracking it? How are you tracking it? All that stuff. That's an interesting question. So I was doing billboards I've been doing billboards, electronic ones, for about a year, and I'm tracking all of it. So we have a drop down in our system, in our software, our tech metric that we use. It says uh, billboard South Lincoln, billboard downtown Lincoln. Oh, that's an important fact, right? Because you just, instead of it just being billboard, you actually know which billboard it is. Okay. I know which one it is because and obviously that helps us track the ROI on that billboard at that location. And South Lincoln... I feel like we pull a lot of business out of South Lincoln. I didn't know we do per zip codes. So I wanted to, I wanted, I wanted to do two things. I wanted to, to thank the people down there. We've won the Lincoln Choice Awards for the best automotive repair shop in Lincoln for the last two years. I say that with just an absolute monstrous ton of, of humility because, you know, going up against dealerships, as you know, is you can't outmarket them. You're not going to win. I just don't have the funding to do it. But uh, the people that have voted the last couple of years were just a lot of gratitude towards that. So I wanted to thank people for allowing us to serve them because there's so many shops in any city that, you know, Kim, there's opportunities and just have to be grateful for the opportunities that they give us on a daily basis. And then I started to market towards the vehicles that I knew we were getting really great with in terms of our techs from the Rovers to the Audis to Porsches to the BMWs. So I have a, a number of different rotational billboards. See, the only way you can do that is electronic billboards. You can't do that with the other ones. But so then I thought to myself, okay, and I even have one that says grateful on it. Like that's one of the rotational ones in, da- in South Lincoln. It just says grateful. That's it. I started using those about a year and a half ago. Now, depending on the city is going to be dependent on the cost associated with those. I can tell you that these here in Lincoln are affordable. 
Uh, if they weren't, and if they didn't equate over a three-month span, I just wouldn't be able to do them. That being said, we pulled a lot of business out of that billboard down south because people didn't know that we work on European or that we were really great at working on Europe, European. And I think we had five or six last month that were marked billboard, South Lincoln. And that equates, you know, with European vehicles repaired, as you know, it's, it's, they're a little bit different animal. Ours costs a little bit more. You know, the labor is about the same, but the ROI there for us has been good. Otherwise, I wouldn't continue to do it. But just understanding, and it's similar to brand awareness too. Those individuals, the, the people that now are depending on us to keep their Porsche serviced, their Rover serviced, other BMW serviced, and they look, they're going to look, they're going to do a little back, little bit of background on you and say, okay, is, are they marketing to you, but can they really provide that service? The gal that's doing that for us is, does a great job. So they work for us. Yeah, I love it. And, you know, we just hear all the time, everybody wants to just do the shiny object or the new modern, you know, and forget about the impact that some of the traditional marketing methods can have direct mail, radio, you do radio as well. And that's, correct me if I'm wrong, is related to the university. So talk about that. It's a local sports station that's affiliated with the university and does a ton of work with them in terms of their athletes, but it's a ticket, 93.7, the ticket FM in downtown Lake. Great people, great humans, great partnership. I've sponsored the ticket tailgate for the Nebraska football team for the last couple of years. And the interaction that I've got and the relationships that I've built organically, not forcefully, organically over that time has turned out to be, you know, some of the best people I've ever met and have ever been around here. So that works well for us. And again, you know, radio is a little bit of a coin flip in our industry. We just don't know how to measure it, but it's reasonable enough for me to continue to do it. We did radio, but we did it in a very different way. Like, I love the way that you're doing it with like that live remote sort of thing and tying it to the football games, the university, that sort of thing. I know the recent one, at least, that I saw was ticket something. Ours was instead of the recorded typical radio commercial kind of thing, we actually, we have recorded a podcast early, early, early. One of our very, maybe within the first 10 or so was our story of how we used radio advertising, but it was a live endorsement. And so the radio DJ was very influential before influencer was a word. He was an influencer, but on the radio and people followed him and it was an AM radio station. And it was like conservative talk, something another, something like that. And he would just be talking about whatever the topic was. And somewhere in there, he found a way to tie it to us and would do like a two to three minute just live endorsement. It was incredible. People would come in and say, uh, you know, we asked them, how'd you hear about us? Oh, Bill told me to come. And we're like, Bill who? And they're like, oh, Bill LeMay. And we're like, oh, Bill LeMay. Like, it was like, Bill, my next door neighbor, you know, because the way they're talking and we're thinking it's just, you know, no, it's Bill, somebody they've never even met before, but they're talking like it was their friend. So, well, speaking of traditional marketing, but now moving into the digital part, you do all the things like Brian and I and our team, we teach about marketing that helps people know, like, and trust you, not the copy and paste baloney that's out there where every shop's getting the same thing but real, authentic, transparent. You go deep, like you're talking about what a great father your service advisor is and you're on videos with them and just being super real. I can't help but think that people talk to you about 
your social media and what they see? Yeah, the gal, we've got a front desk gal down there, Emma, that, that does a majority of our social media. But I, again, I think it's imperative and important for people to understand who you are as a person and what your values are and you know, who you, with your team and, and their kids and how they, you know, family's always first for us. It's always first. And it should be, from my perspective, my opinion, but it should be first in everyone's lives. Like, so highlighting our families, understanding, you know, that we're all humans and that we're going to make the mistakes down the road, but just understanding and building the right way. We're not overwhelming social media with our kids and, and things like that. But I think it's important for people to know a little bit of behind the scenes of who we are and, and how we operate. And, you know, we love our families just like everybody else. You know, we're trying the best that we can and, and we're grateful. Yeah, I love it. It's really inspiring. I point other shop owners to that all the time. Not everyone has, is it Emma? Not everyone has an Emma. And a lot of the shop owners are like, oh, I'm just not suited to do that. I'm not going to do that. I don't know if you know Benji Burris at Frog Pond over in North Carolina. So Benji's daughter, Callie Grace, she is a senior in high school, works in the shop with them. And she has taken over doing a lot of their marketing for them. And she's just doing a brilliant job. I think they're kind of panicked because she says she's going to school to be a nurse. And they're like, wait. So we'll see. We'll see. I think she's going to come back because she is definitely part of that. So before we head out, I want to ask you about a book that I know you love and is very important to you. And it's like every, you know, you post stuff and I'm like, oh yeah, I love that too. We have so much in common. But this is my go-to gift for high school and college graduates. And a couple of them, their parents have said, yeah, I really wish they read that book. It's just sitting over there. I'm like, they're going to pick it up one day. And when they do, it's going to change their life. You know the book I'm talking about. You know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. So Kim, Dale Carnegie, the book that we're talking about, friends, is Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. So I'm going to take you back just a few, oh, it's been more than a few years now. One of the reasons why I stayed in Lincoln as well. So Joel Satori, he's a National Geographic photographer, well-known around the United States and I think even the globe. But he um, showed up at my home in Lincoln after he experienced me having a rough day at the shop. He was one of my first customers. I had no idea who he was. Didn't care who he was. I was just trying to figure out Chevy Silverado at the time. But he saw me having a frustrating day and he took the time. And now he's a dear friend of mine. He took the time to go buy that book and drive it to my home, which I'm th he shows up at my house. I had no idea how the heck he found my house. Of course, I you can find anybody's homes. But he said, hey, I want you to read this book. I'm going to give you a couple of weeks. I want you to tell me your feedback on it. It's very important that you read this book. And I looked at him like, you are crazy, man. I am not a reader. This was 15 years ago, 13 years ago. But I thought to myself, what do I have to lose? Now it's by far the most impactful book that I've ever read. It, it tells you and navigates things in life that Dale Carnegie is brilliant. You know, how you treat people, how you remember their names. They remember that. And that book is impactful in, a, in ways that I don't think, I hope and, and pray that everybody that listens and sees this episode runs to get this book. It's so impactful to the point where I've spoke to three different groups in the last eight weeks here in Lincoln, Nebraska. One is a high school football team. The other is two classes at the University of Nebraska in the Center for Entrepreneurship Groups. And I've asked them, I've talked about that book. I've asked them if they've read it. The majority of them have it. And I bet you 
I've ordered 150 copies of that book in the last, and give it to the football team, give it two classes at UNL. So super impactful book, super. Yeah, and some of them are going to sit it to the side and say, I'm not a reader. And then one day, they're hopefully not going to be sitting in their car with their last food stamp, but something in their life is going to happen and they're going to see it and say, you know what? Let me just start reading that. It's going to change lives. So in honor of Kindle, the first three people to email me your address, I'm going to send you the book in honor of Kindle. So you can email podcast at shopmarketingpros.com and I will send you that book. Take her up on that offer, folks. Game-changing book, life-changing for me. I love it. Kendall, we could sit here and talk a lot longer because I still have more questions. We may need to just have like part two or something like that. But I really appreciate your time. And I know we've gone back and forth with, all right, what conference are you going to? And we still keep missing each other. I think it'll be Vision in 2024. Can't believe it. So anyways. Kim, I've always been a big fan of you from the first time that I saw you and I followed you and you and Brian. So, you know, just a big fan. I wish you all the utmost success. And um, I'm just grateful that our lives have passed have crossed in lives. And if I can ever do anything for you, let me know. Yeah, absolutely. Same. All right, everybody. Well, I hope that you are taking notes and have taken some great things from this episode with Kendall. In the show notes, I'm going to put a link to his website, a link to the book, a link to his Instagram, Facebook, all the good things. And again, I just want to thank you for listening to the Auto Repair Marketing Podcast on Aftermarket Radio Network. There are some other great shows on the network. You can find them at aftermarketradionetwork.com or on your favorite podcast listening apps like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many others. As always, if you have questions, comments, if you have ideas or questions about something we can do on a podcast, just send us an email to podcast at shopmarketingpros.com. And until then, tune in for another episode next week and go fill those bays. You've been listening to the Auto Repair Marketing Podcast with Kim and Brian Walker. Follow the podcast on your favorite listening app. Find their emails in the show notes and visit them at shopmarketingpros.com. Let Kim and Brian know what you want discussed because they're all about advancing the aftermarket.